Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. Get out your word with me today. Open up your word. Power up your word. We're going to get to Acts chapter 2 in just a second as you're getting there. After the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, Matthew reports that women went to the tomb. The women find the tomb empty. An angel appears to the women and says, I know you are looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He's what? He's not here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. He, he's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Just making sure we're all still awake. The angel told the women to go quickly to tell the disciples. The disciples were to travel to Galilee, and Jesus would meet them there. The women are frightened and filled with joy at the same time. On their way, the resurrected Jesus meets them, and he says, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee because I will meet them there. So the disciples go to the mountain in Galilee where Jesus said he would meet them. Now, this has already been an incredible supernatural series of events. It's so surreal that Matthew reports some of the disciples doubted what they were experiencing. And I think we got to offer a little space to the disciples. Because some of us could say we've had moments that were so good that we couldn't believe what was happening. So I believe a little bit of that is going on with the disciples. They're coming face to face with the resurrected Jesus to the point that they may have been so overwhelmed that they can't believe the good thing that's happening to them. The sequence of extraordinary events is capped off with an extraordinary assignment. Matthew 28, 19. I know we said we get to Acts. We're going to get there in just a second. First, Matthew 28, 19. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Many of us are familiar with these words of Jesus. They may be brand new to you. Either way, that's okay. We often talk about these words as the driving force behind missions. Go, go and make disciples. This is the driving force behind, behind why we send missionaries to the nations to reach the spiritually lost, to plant churches where there are no churches, to raise up the next generation of ministry leaders, and to serve suffering people with compassion. For today, do not allow the familiarity with this verse to rob you of the magnitude of the assignment in the moment. Think about this. 2,000 years later, as we sit here today, we know that there are Christ followers in every nation. In some nations, they worship underground, but there are Christ followers in every nation. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. 
It is estimated that there are more than 2 billion, with a B, 2 billion Christians, making it the most followed belief system on the planet. Okay. Now, track that all the way back to this moment. 11 people, 11 men, who have no influence, no money, and no jobs. If someone in this life situation came and asked for permission to marry your daughter, you would say, go get a job and come back in a year. Maybe. That, maybe. I didn't mean for that to be like a tension point. It's supposed to be a joke. No influence, no money, no job. Some might say they had no education, and if you're thinking about a formal university education, that would be correct. They didn't have like a degree. However, they did just spend three years with the world's greatest history, greatest teacher in history. So they did have an education. How did 11 people with no influence, no money, and no jobs launch the greatest global movement ever? Yes, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and also through discipleship. Discipleship is where the supernatural meets the practical. The message of Christ spans centuries and reached the nations through discipleship. Jesus actually told them this is how it's going to happen, and it's how it is continuing to happen today. With the authority of Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, Jesus says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This movement, Jesus is telling them, it cannot stop with you. You are disciples, and now you're going to make disciples. How are you going to make disciples? Jesus says to the 11, teach others to observe what I have commanded you. <laughs> teach others what I have taught you. As I've shown you the way, show others the way. You're not alone, Jesus says. I'm going to be with you. I am with you. He promised the helper, the Holy Spirit. That's God who lives in each follower of Christ. So this is where we begin a brand new teaching series called Disciple. My encouragement is that as a church family that we would all individually be committed to living the disciple life. Disciple. Be one. Make one. To disciple is to teach others what you have been taught about Jesus. Discipleship thrives when we are willing to give biblical teaching and when we are willing to receive biblical teaching. It's not, it's not either or, it's both and. Sometimes it can happen in one conversation. You're in a conversation, someone is pouring life into you, and then the conversation shifts, 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 and you start pouring life into them. It's not either or, it's both and. What we're going to see is how the idea of being disciples and being disciple makers was lived out after the death and resurrection of Christ. We're going to talk about how that continues in us today. And we're going to, we're going to talk about a very practical way for each of us to elevate our disciple life, which would be your engagement in discipleship with the mission of becoming more like Christ. 
So where we pick up the historical narrative leading up to Acts chapter 2, Jesus has suffered and died on the cross for the sins of humanity. Three days later, the tomb is empty, praise God. For 40 days, the resurrected Jesus appears to his first followers. The Bible tells us Jesus proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He tells the first followers, wait, wait in Jerusalem, wait for what? The Holy Spirit, baptism in the Holy Spirit. This will be the empowerment for the mission that Jesus repeats once more. You are going to bring this message to the ends of the earth. Jesus ascends to heaven. A few days later, the first followers receive this promised Holy Spirit baptism during the festival of Pentecost in Jerusalem. That's where we get the word Pentecostal. As a result of this spirit baptism, the first followers supernaturally begin to speak in other languages. And this draws a crowd, draws a crowd to the streets of Jerusalem. And so to this crowd, Peter gives what we know as the first sermon of the early church. Peter is bold, and he preaches about the miracles and wonders and signs done through Jesus. He preaches about how Jesus was nailed to the cross. Peter preaches about how God released Jesus from what is described as the horrors of death and raised Jesus back to life. And Peter says, Jesus is the Messiah. It's time to turn, Peter says, it's time to turn from sin and go to Jesus for forgiveness. Everything I've laid out, you can read Acts chapter 1 and 2. Peter concludes his sermon this way, verse 40. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. With many other words, Peter warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Peter lays it out. There is a corrupt, crooked, wicked, evil culture. By default, we are part of that. Psalm 51, verse 1, I was born a sinner. There was a choice then, and there's a choice now. The choice is this. Stay under the ownership of a culture that rejects God, or be saved from the corrupt generation through Jesus Christ. Now, Peter has already said to the crowd, repent and turn to Jesus, and so here is the result in the streets of Jerusalem, verse 41. Those who accepted, those who made the choice, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, from a crowd that was certainly not social distancing, if thousands of people heard the message and there's no beautiful sound system, to hear Peter, they almost certainly had to press in as close as they could to hear the message. And of those, not everyone made a choice. God doesn't force us. It's a choice. It's a decision. Of the thousands who heard, 3,000 made the decision. What decision did they make? They made the decision. I no longer want to be part. I no longer want to be under the ownership of the culture that rejects God. I want to be saved. I want to be part of God's kingdom. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord. I receive him for my salvation. 3,000 make the decision. 
Jesus is now their Messiah. Now, just a few days ago, there were 11 standing in front of Jesus. No money, no job, no influence. Jesus is telling them that they need to go to the ends of the earth. They have no transportation, no frequent flyer miles to burn. And now, 11 has become 3,000. God's on the move. They're saved. They're born again. And if, if their mindset is anything like your mindset or mindset, my mindset, they might be thinking, okay, I'm saved. Now what? What happens next? The message has got a hold of my heart. I realize I don't want that anymore. I want this. Now what does this look like? Now what? What's next? Verse 42. This is what's next. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking bread and to prayer. That's the now what. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching being in community, breaking bread, eating together, doing life together. Eating together is God's idea. They devoted themselves to prayer. Church, not the whole world, but if just the church would commit themselves to these simple ways of living, the world would be a better place. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching Jesus said, teach others what I've taught you. That's what's happening here. Then those others told more others. The more others told more others. Soon they would actually be scattered from Jerusalem to the regions where they came from. And then all those others who learned in Jerusalem would bring the message, teaching others in the places where they came from. Teaching what you have been taught about Jesus spanned the region, spans the generations, spans the world. Now it's reached us. Now it's our responsibility. This is so exciting, church. If you participate in discipleship, God's kingdom grows through you. Anyone in this room who is a follower of Christ, we are thankful for those who taught and then taught someone else. And after they were taught, they taught someone else, reaching all the way to us. They devoted themselves to discipleship, to community, and prayer. Then what happened? Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Do you catch this? As the followers of Christ committed to the disciple life, they began to experience the tangible move of God. As they grew closer to God, as they grew deeper spiritually, it wasn't just head knowledge that increased. They saw God move. They saw signs and wonders. That could only be God. That healing, that provision, that protection, that restoration. Verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now there may be some, maybe one person in here who gets a little uncomfortable and you might say, I've been with you up until this point, Pastor, but this sounds a little bit like socialism. We must keep in mind the context that this happened in. Remember, all these people who were in Jerusalem, the, the 
out-of-towners were there for the festival of Pentecost happening in Jerusalem. People traveled from far away to be part of this festival. And many of those who had traveled from far away became followers of Christ. They planned to celebrate and head home. Like they just brought a carry-on for a few days and now they're here and they wish they'd packed like two or three check luggages, even at $50 a bag. So there they are in Jerusalem. They don't have any... They, they, they've not planned to stay. Now they're staying. So what happens? Those who live in Jerusalem begin to sacrifice for their out-of-town people who want to stay in Jerusalem and be discipled. They stay to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. To accommodate these 3,000 out-of-towners, those who lived in Jerusalem, sacrificially gave to meet the needs. So today, are you and I, are we supposed to sell everything? Now, I don't want to say that that's never going to happen. Certainly something that missionaries often do so that they can go to the far places of the world. They sell everything or almost everything. For most of us, God will not ask us to sell everything. What we can take away from this is as they were discipled, God opened their eyes to needs, to unmet needs, and he challenged them to give sacrificially so that the needs of others may be met. 2,000 years later, that is still happening. And some of you would, you would, if you were to tell your story, you would say that that maybe is some area where God has changed your heart. As you've grown deeper in relationship with Christ, you've seen your heart become more generous. You're, maybe you'd say God has opened your eyes to needs around you. Needs that for years or even decades you drove by and didn't give a second thought to. Needs near and far other side of the world. Before you became a follower of Christ, you would say, I didn't care about spiritually lost people around the world, but then God opened your eyes and opened your heart to the reality that everyone deserves to hear the message of Christ, and your heart was stirred. And so you, as a result of growing deeper in your relationship with Christ, have grown in the way that you see needs and sacrificially meet the needs of others. Verses 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Not those who are joining the social club. Those who are also being saved from a corrupt generation. They met together. They ate together. They experienced joy together. They worshiped together. They lived the disciple life together. And as a result, as a result, the numbers grew. And this makes sense to us. Because as a follower of Christ something changes inside of you that produces an outside transformation as well. As your relationship with your Lord and Savior Christ grows on the inside, people start to see everyone else is panicked and you have peace. Everyone else is full of fear. You have joy. What's the difference? What's happening in your life? Well, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I've been saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. 
And they may say, I don't want, I also no longer want to live in fear. I no, no longer want to live constantly panicked. I want what you have. So as you grow deeper, as we grow deeper, our numbers naturally should grow wider as others are drawn to the life change of Christ. As believers committed themselves to growing deeper, the church, church grew wider. The Lord added to their number daily. What is described here is not intended to be an exact prescription for how we are to live the Christian life, but the concepts are very good and they are absolutely from God. Commit to being a disciple and making disciples. Be active in a community of believers. Pray, pray together. Expect to see God move in tangible ways. Pray. See needs, release sacrificially so that needs can be met. As individuals grow spiritually deeper, the community, the kingdom gets bigger. What I'm challenging us to do as we look ahead to the year 2022, know Christ and make him known. Know Christ and make him known. Some of you ate your Wheaties this morning and you say, hey, that sounds a lot like the People's Church mission statement. It is. This is the reason we exist, to know Christ and to be part of making him known to others. There is a longing in America for more spiritual depth. The days of cultural Christianity are in the past. The studies are telling us that people are not leaving churches because they are challenged too much. People are leaving churches because they are not being challenged enough. It is time to commit or recommit to being an active part of being disciples and making disciples. I said I would give you a tangible way for you to elevate living out the disciple life. Pastor Aaron, right up here in front. I love what you've been doing, my friend. Pastor Aaron with his team, over the last several weeks, have been preparing for a new relaunch of our discipleship groups. Winter, spring discipleship groups beginning the first week of February. If you are part of our church family, I would like you to hear me clearly as your pastor, as our staff of pastors, we want you to be in a Bible study group. We want you to be in a Bible study group. If you're already in a group, great. If you're in a discipleship group that gathers somewhere else and it's a place where you can pour into others as they pour into you, no one is asking you to deactivate what's already working. If you're visiting us from another church today, we hope you have a solid discipleship group through your faith community. If you like your discipleship group, you can keep your discipleship group. This is where we may make somebody uncomfortable. Some may convince themselves that the discipleship groups are only for the more experienced Christians. You may convince yourself that I don't know enough about the word, I will stand out, I shouldn't go until I know my Bible better. And you might tell yourself, once I know the word better, then I will go to a group. 
That's not practical and it's not biblical. We have just seen the early followers of Christ went right into discipleship after making a decision. <clears throat> On the other end of it, some may convince themselves, we may convince ourselves that Bible study groups are only for the new Christians. We can deceive ourselves that we reach a level where we just don't need to be active in a group anymore. I can tell you that next week we're going to be unveiling new content, a new content um, offering that will be the centerpiece of our discipleship groups. As a pastoral staff, along with our administrative staff, we have been doing this content for several months, preparing so that we can bring it to you. And I can tell you that as a pastoral staff, I think I can speak for the other pastors on our team, every week that we do this, I personally am receiving something new receiving a fresh word from the Lord. Discipleship groups are for everyone. I want you to think about these three pieces. In God's word, we see gatherings where hundreds or thousands come together. We just looked at the example of Peter. Peter gave a sermon. Thousands listened to one person share a message. We also know that God's word absolutely affirms a personal devotion life. A time where you sit with your word, possibly a notepad, you read the word, write down what God's speaking to your heart, have a time of prayer. God's word affirms times of gathering with the masses to hear the message taught. God affirms personal time through his word, and God's word also affirms times when you sit in circles instead of rows. We would say today, Bible study groups. Times when we can ask questions. Times when we can get answers. I said that we'd have that opportunity for you to jump in. We want you to be in a group. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you do not have a group already, go to peopleschurch.com groups. Just as a team has been working in here over the last three weeks to get this physical space ready. Pastor Aaron and the team for several weeks have been working for weeks to get the online place ready for you to find your groups so that we could be ready for today. I mean, Aaron and I, I think we're even talking on Thursday or Friday. Are we ready? We're ready. Ready? Ready? Good. You're also invited to be an early adopter of the, our new app called Church Center. The Church Center app. Download the Church Center app. Set People's Church as your church home. And one of the many great features of this app is that you can find and join groups. Groups meet on campus. Many groups meet Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. It's the same time. If you come as a family, it's a great time because it's the same time that we offer PC Youth Group, Rangers, Royal Rangers, Girls Ministry for the Kids, now, if you serve on Wednesday, we also offer groups on Sunday morning. Many come on Sunday morning. Maybe this is you. You choose to go to a group at 10 o'clock, and then you come into 1130 worship service. We have women's Bible studies on Tuesday morning and Thursday evening. There's a men's Bible study on Tuesday, and it's early, 630. 
Pastor Aaron and I have been talking, and we, as we've been thinking about different ways that we can offer groups, it's like we want to take away all the excuses. So one of the ways we're striving to take away the excuses is we know that some are not quite ready because of what's happening in the world to sit close and sit across the table. So we're offering an online group, a digital group where you can be part of a Bible study by Zoom. We're trying to take away the excuses. If you have more excuses for why you cannot be part of a Bible study, please share that with Aaron and we will be delighted to try to find a way to take away your excuse. You're up for the challenge, right? Just test them, actually. Group Bible study is great because it's where we get real. Group Bible study is where we hear the faith journeys of those who we are in the church family with. Group Bible study is where you sit down at a table with someone you've never met. And they're likely just as nervous as you are. But then you find out that you have something in common and you've made a friend. If your fear is that you're going to go to a Bible study group and you're not going to know anyone, what's the way that you can overcome that fear? Bring someone with you. Then you know somebody. Group Bible study is great because someone who's new will come and they'll answer a question and they'll use some cuss words as they're answering the question and it makes all the church people uncomfortable. Group Bible study gets real because a person will raise their hand. The other people in the group are thinking that person's already raised their hand five times. Are they really going to talk again? That's when you need to raise your hand. Group Bible study is strong because someone will share about a brokenness they're experiencing or a struggle they're enduring. There's no easy answer. There's no quick fix. And in those moments, we realize that church is not full of happy mannequins leading fake lives, but we're real people facing real challenges that we can overcome together. See, the enemy would love to convince you that you're the only one going through a struggle. Something powerful happens in a group Bible study when you come in and you think, I'm the only one who's facing this. And then supernaturally, God deposits someone else in that group who begins to share how God has brought them through what you are facing in the present. And where the Holy Spirit tried to isolate you and convince you no one else knows. No one else is facing the pain you're facing. Then you meet someone who's been there and done that and will walk it with you. Through the questions and the answers and the I don't knows, we pray together, we laugh together, we take a chance together. It's messy, it's an imperfect, yet at the other end of this all, iron sharpens iron. We see that we are not alone. We see that we are not the only one, and just as God has been faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the present and the future. If you're in a group, stay committed. Invite someone to come with you. Maybe reach out, call or text that person who you haven't seen in a while. If you need a group, find a group. 
Aaron, we try to make it as easy as possible. Don't come alone. If you're looking for a group where perfect people talk about their perfect lives, we do not offer any of those groups. But if you're looking for a group where we can be real with each other, where we can be transparent about trials, where we, where we can celebrate victories together, and where we can cry together, all for the purpose of becoming more like our perfect Savior. If you're looking for a group where imperfect people can come together to become more like a perfect Savior, we have those groups. And we want you to be in one. I was thinking, as I look back on the year 2021, there are people who today, as we start 2022, who I would consider close friends that we are now doing things with outside of church. But at the beginning of 2021, either we didn't know them well or we didn't know them at all. And the way that those relationships were initially started and cultivated were through Bible study groups. Let's commit. Let's pray together. A sign of health of our church family will be how many do we have in a Bible study group? We believe as we individually commit to growing deeper, we will grow wider. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thankful for this extraordinary instruction that Jesus gave those 11. A group that had no money, no influence, no jobs, no transportation. They were given this assignment. Teach others what I have taught you until the movement reaches the ends of the earth and goes to all nations. And what we see is that the supernatural meets the natural. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit lived out in discipleship. Father, challenge each one of us. Show us individually what it means to live the disciple life. For the ones who are already part of a group, may this be a moment to seal that commitment that they are part of something that's important. Father, for the one who's never stepped foot in a discipleship group and maybe are nervous about what that looks like. And Father, help them. Give them a boldness to step out in faith, believing that on the other side of that nervous first moment, there's going to be great connection and great community. Father, speak to the hearts for those who have been part of a Bible study group but have drifted away. Sometimes I think we can look back in Bible study groups that we were part of in the past and they be can become like a, a museum piece in our heart and we may be reluctant to step back into a group because it's not going to look like the one that we used to be in. 
Father, we believe it is your heart that as long as we are on this earth that you desire that we would be part of being disciples and making disciples. Father, we ask that your blessing would be upon the organization. The groups that are brought together, not because we want to take anything from those in our church family. We want something for our church family. We want deeper. We want rooted. We want biblical literacy at a time in our world where there are even many Christians who know so little about your word. When we think of all the things that we could be known for in our community and in our world, we certainly want to be known as a Bible-teaching, Christ-centered church. We want to be known for our generosity. And we certainly want to be known for our spiritual depth. That's the place where people go to grow deeper. That's a place where people go to be challenged to not just keep a status quo Christianity. That's a place where I can go to be poured into and I can also pour out life into others. Father, we invite you to increase in our heart and in our church family a heart of discipleship. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.